Hey everyone, welcome to the Bull and Hawk Sports Show. I am CG Hawk, joined by my co-host DJ Benny the Bull. We are very happy to be here to discuss a multitude of topics, including the Cubs, White Sox, Bulls, and more here on the program. We are going to be opening with our discussion of the Cubs and White Sox's season openers for the 2022 MLB season. And we are going to begin with the Cubs. The Cubs' first game of the season is April 7th at home at Wrigley Field at 1.20 Central Time, taking on the 2021 division champions, Milwaukee Brewers. This is going to be a good game for a number of reasons. One of the important reasons it's going to be a good game is we get to see brand new Cubs international signee Seihei Suzuki in action at Wrigley Field for the first time in a live regular season game. That's going to be very fun. And also, just... Great to have baseball back, regular season. Opening day is always one of my favorite days of the year. And let's get to a little bit about the potential pitching matchup according to what the experts say will go on. And talk a little bit about potential lineups for the two teams. So for the pitching matchup, this probably is set in stone and managers have concluded their decisions. It is going to be the 2021 Cy Young winner, Corbin Burns for the Brewers. He had a fantastic year last year. Fantastic year A. Many strikeouts. Great whip. Very vital to the Brewers' success. Corbin Burns was a hero. He came out of... Nowhere, I would say, because he's been very good the past few years, but last year he put it all together and had his best campaign to date by far. And selfishly, I loved it because I drafted Corbin Burns on my fantasy baseball team that year, so he won me the Cy Young, and he was one of the one reasons that I was able to win third place in my fantasy league so that was great dude Corbin Burns so thank you Corbin Burns and most people think he's having a good another good year this season he's has no injury his concerns right now great numbers the projections look very good as well so having Corbin Burns definitely is going to be another important piece to this Brewers team and the Brewers pitching is their strength they have one of the best pitching rotations in bullpens in baseball but their offense very poor that's their biggest weakness so the Brewers are going to win a lot of games two to one three to one one zero that's how they're going to win a lot of games they have advantages because they're in the NL Central which is one of the lesser divisions in baseball so that's going to be helpful but they need to start scoring some runs or they're going to waste some of these excellent pitchers they have on the staff. 
Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. And in the bullpen, some of the studs they have are Devin Williams, Josh Hader. They have a lot of good pitchers on that team. And potential batting order for the Brewers that we could see probably would involve Willie Adonis. They got him last season in a trade. Very good midfielder. He can play short and second. Good bat, good speed, good glove. Then they have some other guys who they can bring back that are very good. They have Lorenzo Kane, very solid outfielder. And some other guys of note. Their offense really, honestly, a lot of these guys are not very good. Probably the most important guy to discuss, if he has a great year, it's going to help immensely, is Kristen Yelich, the former MVP. He has struggled, to say the least, the past few seasons. If he can put it back together this season, that's going to more than help their cause. Because if he's not hitting well, then they're going to struggle because a lot of these guys are below average hitters. But we'll see what the Brewers do. Now for the Cubs. The starting pitcher is the professor, Kyle Hendricks, making his opening start this season. He has opened for the Cubs the past few years. Excited to see Kyle Hendricks back in action. Hopefully he can have a much improved season. Last year he was very bad. ERA way above four. So hopefully this year he can put it back together. Because he's not a strikeout maestro by any means. But if he can use his sinker and utilize the rest of his stuff, hopefully he can improve. And potential hitters against Burns. We'll see the guys. Wilson Contreras behind the plate. Jason Hayward. Nico Horner, maybe. Madrigal. Patrick Wisdom, Frank Sandell, and Seihei Suzuki. So hopefully the Cubs pull out a W at Wrigley. It's possible. If you wanted me to make a prediction right now, I'd probably lean to a Brewers win, close one. But I'll probably lean Brewers just based on Corbin Burns being dominant and Kyle Hendricks and the Cubs making making a few mistakes. But I think it would be close. But we'll see. Now on to the White Sox. White Sox season opener is going to be on April 8th at noon, 12.10 local time in Comerica Park in Detroit against the Tigers. This one is going to be fun. Tigers much improved. A lot of great young studs on the team brought in some key veterans. White Sox class of the division, the 2021 season champions for the division. White Sox, a lot of pressure on them. A lot of people are hoping they're going to make it far in the playoffs, myself included. I think they could definitely make some noise this year. And for pitchers, we have them both announced. It is going to be for the White Sox. Staff ace, one of the best in the league, Lucas Giolito, making his season open start. And... He's one of the key cogs in the rotation. If he 
has a great season, the White Sox will have a, most likely a good year. For the Tigers, they brought him in from a free agent signing from the Red Sox as Eduardo Rodriguez. He is consistent veteran. He has some good stuff. He is not sexy by any means, but Eduardo Rodriguez has played in playoffs. He has experience, which the Tigers are looking for. And there are worse options for a season open starter. So Eduardo Rodriguez, if he can put it together, could have a probably pretty good year. Now for offensive batters, most likely we'll see. For the White Sox, we're definitely going to see the big guys. Jose Abreu, Ismael Grandal, Leo Jimenez, Luis Robert, those guys. Tim Anderson, not sure. He's been suspended for a few games, so we probably won't see him for the opener, which is a bummer. But he'll be back very soon after this quick like two-game suspension, most likely. For the Tigers, some of their guys will probably be Miguel Cabrera in his last year, Kiel Badu, brand new free agent signing Javier Baez, Robert Grossman, and maybe brand new trade acquisition from yesterday, Austin Meadows. He might make an appearance in this game as well, probably. Tigers, White Sox, home opener for the Tigers. And if you wanted me to choose, just like the last matchup we talked about, I'd probably go White Sox. And this one, they're a little bit more solid than the Tigers, better team. So I think the White Sox definitely could win this opener. So thank you for listening to our 2022 baseball season openers for the Cubs and White Sox discussion. Stay tuned for more here on the Bullhawk Sports Show. Thank you. Welcome back to the Bonehawk Sports Show. We are diving into the Bulls. The Bulls have been playing a really tough schedule, uh, second toughest uh, in the league currently. And since our last time uh, of discussing the team, the record has been horrendous. Um, and let's cut to the chase. With We're three for nine for the games, uh, despite, as of today, as we're talking on the 5th of April, new month, um, Tuesday, April 5th, we, uh, uh, outside of the last three games we played, we are, we have only won three games out of nine, so it's been a struggle, we've lost against the Kings, uh, since then, um, along with, um, you know, the Knicks, I know we've had our struggles. So, uh, with our our victories being against the Raptors on the twenty first, along with versus the Cavaliers, and that was only by four, but it was a very good game. And against the Wizards. So, with that said, we are going to move forward with the most recent three games as we faced the Clippers on March 31st. That was a Thursday. And what a tight game. And dare we say, legendary. 
especially a mega star creating game for one of our very own so we began by introducing the clippers starting lineup at point guard we have the returning pg-13 paul george shooting guard reggie jackson at center Ivica Zubak, small forward Nicholas Batum, and power forward Marcus Moore Sr. And onto the Bulls, where we'll have CJ Hawk introduce our very own. At point guard, number 12. From the University of Illinois, Io and Chicago. Io Desumu. Shooting guard, number six, Alex Caruso. Man in the middle, number nine, from USC, by USC, way of Montenegro, Nikola Vucevic. At small forward, Number eight from UCLA, Zach Levine. And finally, number 11 from USC, Damar DeRozan at Powerford. Yes. So we've seen the last uh, few games, actually last five or so, the lineup change for the Bulls. We've seen uh, Levine going over to forward positions and... Um, also having Caruso and the Sumo start. All right, so into the game. This one's, like I said, was a close one. And Clippers this season haven't performed that well, but they will have a spot in the playoffs. As of this one, they're 37-40. And their best... All-around player has been Reggie Jackson. Oops. Yeah, I, I would agree. Their best player is Paul George, but he has missed long periods of time. So the most consistent this year has been Reggie Jackson. Yeah. He's, he's been stepping it up and bringing them to various, you know, successes. And, you know, really challenged us. He really got us, um, you know... He's a good all-around shooter, and so, you know, he's usually expected to score 30 a night. Yeah, he scored so 34 in this game. At, that's where he's at. So, with that said, yes, he did. He's at, actually out there the most, even more than PG. 40 minutes out there, and it's seven assists, two rebounds. Look at that. Um, he is your true um, shooting guard as PG-22. Zubak, 11, Batum, 17, and Morris Sr. with 20. Um, Zubak, excellent rebounder, um, getting nine in. And they recently had um, acquired Robert Covington. And he had seven. Uh, Terrence Mann, um, you know, he also is one of the good shooters as well. He had four this time. 
but uh, you know this time this time around they're they're stacked and they're having their players back. Um, also, despite not having uh, Kawhi Leonard for right now, otherwise they'll be you know going going even further up. <laughs> so yeah, they they give us a run. So on to the Bulls. Uh, we got some uh, quite excellent offense, but we had to work for it. Um, Kobe White, 11. P. Well, since returning, he's been doing all right. He had 10 for this one. It's been a sweet spot. 12 rebounds. So his strong suit being on defense, getting the rebounds. Io with 8. Caruso, 7. Vucevic, Stepping it up since I know the game, um, you know, was it after this one? Before this one? He was the man for that game. He had 20 plus for that night. Um, this night, he continued that, you know, sorry, consistency. 14 rebounds, an assist, and 22 points for the shot with. So, Vucevic on a roll. Levine, 21. And so Zach Levine coming up, you know, amazing. Uh, you know, I feel like he also is one of those. He wasn't feeling like quite the same as himself. That's a feeling as of lately, um, you know, having DeRozan carrying, you know, the offense, Vooch for uh, some nights recently. So I guess partly with that, it's like the return of Patrick Williams and, you know, so many different uh, lineup changes kind of screwing with that so maybe this this was you know the best move for them you know they kept that uh line him in the forward position um and for the race for mvp um at this point uh the rosen still qualified i have heard rumblings that he will um he's he's no longer in the running but i say he should still be Yeah, no, I I agree. I think he should be at least like one of the final people. Would I think he's gonna win it? No, but I think he could finish top five. That's true, as he should be. It'll be it'll be off if he does get further down in there. If he was like number eight or something, definitely it should be top five. In our opinion, top three, if not number one. <laughs> so. Yeah, he had, the, uh, you know, out there the most uh, and, you know, finished with six assists, five rebounds. We have to work our way up to, um, you know, t- for this win. That's because we had that clutch play uh, at the uh, re- at the end of the regulation and going into OT. Thanks to... Are you so, talking? Yeah. Are you talking about the Clippers' mistakes? Clippers' mistakes and uh, how we how we tied this up. <laughs> um, it was Demar, wasn't it? Yeah, the De- DeRozan, you know, being the king of the fourth, he was able to get us to catch up. On, yeah, you know, uh, you know, guarding and also scoring. Uh, scoring. Uh, I believe it was the last he got that and one. He got oh. the three. Uh, Oh yeah, he got fouled behind it by Paul George behind the three point line, That's and right. he had 
three free throws, but he only made two out of three, so it tied it to go to OT. That was very dramatic. It's like, wow, we really, um, you know, finessed our way up, as we should. But, uh, yeah, so we were able to get three free throws and made uh, all three of them. And um, also, I believe it was another uh, layup also um, that helped right. this, um, push us into this position. And there's a play before this, like a minute or a few, 30 seconds before, when the Clippers had a big problem with the inbounds. There was a foul oh, yes. be, before the, the ball fifth was quarter. before the ball was inbounded. <laughs> yeah. So the ball, Bulls got the ball back, and that was a huge swing. Yeah. To be honest, the Clippers should have won the game, but they made some key mistakes that the Bulls took advantage of. Yeah, that's right, as we should. And yes, once again, we had to fight really hard for this. So yeah, overtime too. And going into overtime, and basically the story into this is that we. We uh, were carried, uh, we carried that momentum, and we toughed it out, and we just continued doing it since it was 17 to 12, uh, Bulls taking, you know, the lead in that almighty fifth quarter, if you will, and we're, we're, uh, we're seeing that DeRozan, he was at uh, like 43 points or so. And it was like, can he, can he close this out? Can he make that, you know, into another, you know, zero <laughs> at the end? And, you know, just going. They did. That last move um, that he did was, um, was it a layup or was it also a free throw? It was, yeah. I believe he had a few three free throws left. And he also had like a, uh, I believe, was it a steal? Also, he got that, uh, that fast break layup. And he was going to take capitalize on that and DeRozan he did it he reached a season high with 50 that night so I know throughout the game throughout the fourth and going into OT while we're there we're screaming we're popping real loud for that because we didn't see this offense come in and we won, picked up the W, thanks to DeRozan, thanks to Levine, which everyone did really well as a team, 135-130. Going on to the next was this past Saturday, April 2nd, WrestleMania Saturday. We were out of town, out of studio for this, so we didn't get a chance to see this, but uh, we, we were really, um, you know, we knew this was going to be one of the tough matchups, especially with now number one seed. Yeah. In the Heat, in the Eastern Conference, they have 50-28, while we are still uh, stuck at fifth. So, I believe we should be higher than that. We're sixth now, now as of today, but... Yeah, that's right. So, so for... Let's check this out. All right. So the only difference with the Bulls lineup is Caruso being small forward and then Levine back to shooting guard. And then the Heats, they have their usual lineup. Um, having Larry back in the mix this time. So they had uh, Struess, 
Max Struess. Yep, recent bull. <laughs> yeah. Point guard, shooting guard, Kyle Lowry. At center, Bam Adebayo. Small forward, PJ Tucker, the veteran. And the star, power forward, Jimmy Butler. Before we move on, I want to give a lot of credit to Max Struess. For this game, he only had 10 points. But I want to give him credit because the Bulls just cut him like he was nothing. Like he just was gone, not a important piece. But he's been a huge part of the success of the Heat coming off the bench and starting when need be. So I want to give Max Truce a lot of credit for improving right. and working hard to get where he yep. is. He's, he's going to become a success story. I like those. And exceed um, just like how Cameron Payne did as we love. We finally refer to him as campaign yeah big success yeah as everyone else does yeah so we played this here at home at the uc yeah and udonis haslam he did play you know a couple minutes two minutes yeah didn't didn't he get into a fight with uh with with his very own with with butler yeah yeah. separate that was a few days ago that was very foolish (laughs) i don't know why it was why it happened but a few days ago heat culture you know having the tension right now uh, um, as of the last game. Why? I don't know. They're first place. Why is there tension? Yeah. And Haslam is one of the most respected you know, people in Miami. So, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, consistency wise, Tyler Hero consistently, you know, offensive machine. 19. Yeah. Finished with 19 along with Kyle Lowry. Also, you know, 10 assists. Uh, Bam on the bio, 16. Max Struess, we said, like we said, with 10. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, 14. Yeah. It's very good. Uh, number 21. Number 22, on the other hand, Butler with 22. Oh, I, oh, I swore oh. I didn't see that before I saw it. No, I didn't either. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like Butler, we actually discussed off air. He's not the type that's going to, you know, look, oh, he's a star, but he no. won't score. He you is, know, though. 30 a night, let alone 40. But he is definitely good, you know, in the interior and, you know, good, an amazing uh, mid-range shooter. He will not take too many three-point risks, but I'm sure he did (laughs) Um, that night. But the Heat don't need that. They have good three-point shooters besides him. That's true, and that's the magic of the Heat, Uh, not to be confused with the Orlando Magic, which is, you know, former team, but yeah. Well, um, the Heat... Are like the team because most people think of successful teams like they got multiple superstars. Well, the Heat don't really have that. Like they have Jimmy Butler who's a star, but they mainly have a great coach, Eric Spolstra. Yeah. Great bench, and they have a great balance of yeah. starters who know right. their role and how to play. So. Yeah, I believe we have. A, they have. A, you know. They don't make mistakes. On the verge, superstars, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have slash rising stars. Such as Bam Adebayo, especially yeah. um, veteran, you know, leadership, if you will, veteran leadership in Tucker and Lowry. But you can also make a huge argument for Lowry as as the other superstar in this mm-hmm. in this team for sure. I just mean like compared to some teams. Correct. Yeah. So they only have two, and you know, other rising stars: Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Dwayne Dedman, sure. um, they 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 have that. So like you know their their benches, although the roster is not you know large, but you know they 
have uh, good pieces right there too. So just adding um, PJ Tucker well, and Max Struess. <laughs> whatever they have, yeah. it's enough to beat us every single time through the season. So. <laughs> That's right, right? I, I reckon it's not you know too too good. too good. Um, but yeah, we had. Uh, let's start off with the Rosen. Uh, Twenty six points. You know he's he's out there for long. Um, and then Booch twelve. Levine, Caringless, 33. Patrick Williams, 12. I'll with 11. Javante Greenwood, 8. So, yeah, this one was, you know, a tough matchup, like we said. Um, them basically outscoring us yeah. for the whole game is, is yeah. like, it's very, uh, we, we knew it was, that's how it was going to be, you know. But we, we did have the home court, you know. I, behind us i thought we'd yeah. lose but i didn't realize we'd get like blown away like this this much yeah i don't know just for some reason we don't play the heat well whatsoever That's they right. have our number i don't know yeah. is it like eric spolstra is a great coach yeah or is it, they know how to play i don't they know how to play should. yeah they're in the final to play the game well yeah it's like they they they're in the finals you know two years ago oh, so yeah. yeah they're definitely one of the finishers uh, right here and so yeah, well, they're fifty percent free in three points, <laughs> and uh, field goal percentage uh, not far off. Our free throws are a strong point. <laughs> we were able to get that, but not yeah. enough to to get into you know the win column. So yeah, yeah, they easily dispatched us. <laughs> yep. Hot hot hoops, uh, their words. See, the big night for offense, but um. Yeah, we basically we stay where we are, um, and also to blame. We actually were talking about this off, um, without reading too much into it, as we didn't get to see. But as a result, we usually would blame Kobe White's shooting, um, as yeah. it says here, shooting slump uh, is a reason for that. Yeah, so we need he, that piece. Yeah, it's been a big slump, like. Not just shooting slump, but I feel like he's been in a slump all year. Like his defense is taking a hit, is yeah. scoring. Right. I don't know the problem to be honest. I thought coming into the year that he'd play sort of important role, and I thought maybe he'd improve because we got a superstar in Demar Rosen coming in. Maybe Kobe White would improve. I mean, you could argue the addition of Sumo maybe had hurt Kobe White, but I don't know what it affects him to this degree, but yeah, he says not looked himself. Yeah, even even at the time when he was um, the quote-unquote sixth man, you know, right. that's like, he, he wasn't like, you know, um, as, you know, well, you know, playing-wise. Like, He's had some okay games, yeah. like some good games where he scored like 20 points. But. That's true. They've been few and far between. That's right. It's not how he used to be. Yeah. yeah. Scoring two points is not good enough. Yeah. I mean, so this check back the highlights is like back to the drawing board. See what he did well. Because I remember right. he'll have some really good handles. And we haven't seen that. You know, I feel like In a while. he kind of rushes. Or maybe it's numb. Like, that's the way they want him to play. It's like, right. it's frustrating. So, it was 127, 109. Uh, another, uh, you know one of uh you know the nine you can add ten losses right there Four, we're not ten, a losing yeah. streak but um 
you know, here we go, you know, last, so, tonight, Tuesday, the 5th, we face the Bucks, and we just got up, uh, seeing this one for the Bucks starters, I actually didn't realize that Wes Matthews was 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 the one starter. No, I didn't know he was. I thought it was no. Allen, but you know they changed it up. I didn't and know he was. At, you know, Hill off the bench, Grayson Allen, Portis. So yeah, he, uh, Matthews at point guard, shooting guard, Drew Holiday center, Brooke Lopez, small forward, Giannis onto the Kumpo and power forward, Chris Middleton. Which I feel like Chris Middleton acts more like a shooting guard. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of a shooting guard. Yeah. And he can make the threes too. Yeah. So, with that said, actually, before this, we gotta say an uh, interesting, intriguing thing. Thanis, before we tuned in, we're playing 2K21, a blacktop game, and CJ Hawk, he chose Thanis to be a part of his team. Yeah, I chose um, the Ball Brothers and the Coopville Brothers. Yeah. So I had on my five-man squad, I got Lamella Ball, Lonzo Ball, Giannis, Kostas, and um, Giannis. Giannis. Yep. Saving the, the best for last, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you contributed. Uh, you you know, contributed. You know, quite a bit. <laughs> Everyone contributed. But yeah. So, another slight change to it, um, Levine, I guess it was tiredness, not feeling well, uh, he was out for tonight. I thought he would have had a few minutes, but um, he was in a hoodie on the bench, so he was rolled out. So, point guard, Alex Caruso, shooting guard, Ayo Desumu. The man in the middle, Nikola Vucevic. Small forward, Patrick Williams. Very glad he's back and healthy. And power forward, DeMar DeRozan. He shoots it. It goes in. So, yeah, looking out to get, you know, momentum off. He's been able to score now at least 20, 25. Yeah. You know, on average. Um, I believe he's right um, below, you know, some of the MVPs in the run uh, for us. But he has had about 27, 28 um, for night. I believe it's LeBron, actually, that he needs to beat. Even though LeBron hasn't, you know, played as much games as DeRozan, it's hard to believe um, that DeRozan is behind him for that. So I guess they can state the claim like, oh, the Rosen is just getting hot. <laughs> this half of the season is like, no, that's not true. He's been very hot all since year. the beginning all year. Hence the reason to place him in the forefront for MVP. With that, playing like an MVP, I was saying in the beginning, I was like, oh, where is Zach Levine? Especially the last few games, even though he was playing. But totally out of this game. I felt like we really needed him to have a fighting chance yeah. for a, a team that has been tough to beat right next to the 76ers. Joe Embiid, perhaps, going to be MVP, one of the most consistent, if not the consistent player of all the NBA. So, you know, who can beat Jokic? We'll see. Um, 
as far as the other Nicola, what was happening on today, uh, Vooch? He had arguably his worst game of the year. Yeah. Seven points, three for 20 from the field. Vooch had turnovers, defensive laps. He couldn't buy a bucket. He looked horrific. Yeah, technical and fouls. Frankly, and Grayson. <laughs> we can skip like the lawn went to discussion to frankly summon it up that without Zach Levine on the court and with Vooch having his worst game of the year, DeMar had to do everything. He had to score 40, six assists, three rebounds. And it was an easy 40 as a fan because we were watching and honestly, neither one of us knew he was even close to 40. Right. We thought he was like at 28, 29. Yeah, we knew he was at 20 in the first half. And then it was like 40. Whoa. Oh. He was able to get that, you know, sneak that in. But, yeah, he's just that good. Kobe, you know, 13. You know, improvement from the night. Um, Pat Williams, 18. Yeah. He's coming up. I believe that's the sweet, like, him, you know, in the forward, just no matter power or small, you know, that's the good spot. Yeah, I think that's... A sweet spot for Pat Williams. If he can average like fifteen a night, I'll be happy. That's right. He's he's definitely improved from the ten, you know, twelve. Right. Yeah. Eighteen. You know, eighteen is good. Hopefully, he keeps this going. Yeah. So, yeah. Plus three games. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, that's right. Io with nine. Caruso zero. Yeah. Look good, you know, on the assist, very unselfish oh, yeah. player. Um, there was one point where he was like, "Oh, you shouldn't have passed it to Vooch." Because, you know, that's one of the examples that he was going to sloppy let the ball go. But, yeah, for the Bucks, what can we say? You know, the <laughs> actually, um, like, you know, down to the sixth, seventh, you know, man, they <laughs> they really well distributed, you know, the offense. Like, well, you know, everyone scored, you know, doubled, you know, in doubles. Yeah, um, starting five, digits, all scored ten plus. Double digits, um, so. Now, uh, give credit to Brooke Lopez. He had a fantastic game, almost 30 points, 7 rebounds. 28. Deceptive. Uh, Giannis <laughs> with a near triple-double, 18 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. Chris Middleton being amazing. Oh, <laughs> as yeah. well, 19. 4 rebounds and 5 assists no. as well. George Hill stepping up when needed. And Thanos. Thanos got a chance to be in there. It was impressive the last... basket, too. Yeah, that was. He needs to play more often. <laughs> but it's the same the same thing with Patrick Williams. I guess looking at him, you know, surpassing fifteen tonight, getting to eighteen, it's like you gotta you know, create those chances for him more so he can do this be able to do it um attack sooner, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, for us to, to win. Um you know, he's he's actually a very you know, likable player too. So it's like, you know, he's doing this thing and He's able to, you know, play well, and you know, could, we can we can win with him. Um, still developing, so you know, rookie. Right now, we call a sophomore, though, right? Yeah. Now he's a sophomore, so Io being, you know, the rookie is we making a big splash and um, someone that we definitely need to keep on doing that for. So, one twenty-seven once again. Um, being the number to 106 
taking another L. The only thing we can say now, despite in losing, is that we have clinched a playoff spot since 2017 Jimmy oh. Butler area. Yeah. Era, shall I say. And so, the Bucks, you know, they oh yeah have have long since. Um, <laughs> so with the loss, the Bulls dropped to 45 and 34. And we have three games left this season. Tomorrow, April 6th, at home, Night Center against the Celtics. Yeah. Then Friday, April 8th, at 7 against the Hornets at home. And finally, to end the year on the road at Target Center against the trip Timberwolves. April 10th, 7.30 p.m. Yep, I'll, I'll finish up. And to finish up, the Bulls' key scenarios to look at are with this loss, the Bulls are in the sixth spot in the Eastern Conference right now. The Raptors had a key W against the Hawks to pull vault to fifth spot ahead of the Bulls. The Bulls do have the season series edge over the Raptors, winning three out of four games against them. And right now, the Bulls need to win at least two of these four games. And they lost against the Bucks, so the three games left, they need to win two of them. And I think they can beat the Hornets. My gut says they will. And Celtics, it means more than possible. I know we have not beaten them yet this year. Well, once we did, actually. A couple months ago, long, like November, we beat them. And Timberwolves are deceptively dangerous. But logically, probably, most likely, we'll end up beating the Timberwolves and Hornets and lose to the Celtics, most likely. So the Bulls in the sixth spot, that's as low as it can go. Because we beat the season series against the Cavaliers. And we're ahead of them. So even if they tie us, we can't fall behind the Cavaliers. So luckily, that's where the Bulls are. Sixth spot right now. Behind the Raptors. And as of today, if the playoffs started, the Bulls will take on the Bucks, Which is not good. And in the Eastern teams, the most likely opponents for the Bulls our three squads, the Celtics, Bucks, or Sixers, they're all tied, same record, but based on like head-to-head conference records, the Celtics are in second, followed by the Bucks, and then Sixers. And of the opponents, the Sixers have the Bulls numbered. The Bulls have never beaten Joel Embiid before, or the Sixers, since he's been there. The Bucks have our number. We cannot beat them whatsoever. And the Celtics, we did beat them once, so I guess if you're someone who is rooting for the Bulls to win a few games in the playoffs, the most likely scenario you'd want is the Celtics to fall to the third spot right now. So the Bulls will take on the Celtics. That's the best hope right now. Because I do not want to face the Celtics, Sixers or Bucks. They would be bad opponents. I could see a sweep in both of them, to be honest, based on how we've placed them this year. So the Bulls, three games left. Hopefully they can win two out of three. 
and at least get back to the fifth spot, or I guess stay in the sixth. And this fan making the playoffs was my goal this season, and we accomplished that. But also, on another story side, when the Bulls were first place at the All-Star break, I was ecstatic to be the Bulls stack. We said the Bulls are looking great. We're going to make some noise in the playoffs this year. And if we finished fifth, where it was possible, I could have said, well, we're only one point um, spot off of home court advantage, which would have been awesome for the Bulls. But finishing sixth isn't as great. I mean, we made the playoffs, which is good. But that doesn't have the same cachet as being first in Eastern Conference. And now six. And I don't want to take credit for this, but it was said by Tony Gill, Rob Schaefer, Casey Johnson at um, Bulls Talk Podcast, NBC Sports, Chicago. They discussed that the Celtics and Bulls have made completely different um, like season-altering playoffs. The Celtics, to start the year, were awful. But once they've gotten healthy, now Rob Williams is out, but once they got healthy... They completely improved with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum stepping up and Marcus Smart. The Celtics have fixed their season where the Bulls have fallen apart, in part due to the abysmal defense, the injury woes, playing down to our competition, and being unable to beat the high seeds has cost us playoff positioning and this overall season success but all you need to know is we made the playoffs and we have a few opportunities left to at least maybe change our destiny hopefully howdy this is cg hawk of the blog sports show with some added in news that needs to be discussed to end episode 98 we previously went over the Bulls' last games versus the Miami Heat, the Los Angeles Clippers, and Milwaukee Bucks. And after that, the Bulls ended the season with games against Boston Celtics, Charlotte Hornets, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Bulls ended up losing two of their three final games to finish the season in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. And the Bulls ended up clinching a playoff spot before the final game of the season. So there was no worry that we'd make it to the play-in tournament. So we did not have to play in that tournament. Instead, we already clinched a playoff spot. So that was very good. And the Bulls now know their first-round opponent in the Eastern Conference. We will be taking on the defending champs, the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. Going to be exciting series if you like offense. And a lot of the experts and media give the Bulls a little to zero chance of winning the series. Many are predicting a sweep or a five-game series. And Bulls at full strength with Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Vooch, and DeMar Rosen. Definitely could put up a fight. I'll help you all um, clicking on all cylinders. But with the defensive woes, our defense one of the worst in the league. And the struggles we've had as a cohesive unit, there is worry. I definitely 
believe that the Bulls can win a game. I don't really think a sweep will be in the cards, but winning more than one game, I see unlikely. So I would probably agree with the experts saying a sweep or in five game series cause just because as a fan, I want to say Bulls sweep, but that's not realistic. As someone who covers NBA extensively, along with TGB and the Bull, more likely it's going to be a five-game series or, if possible, a six-game series. But five sounds more likely that Bucks would dispatch us in five. We'll definitely do a breakdown of the Bucks, Bulls, rosters, lineups, stats to know later. So thank you for listening to this added in segment. CJ Hawk, a co-host of the Bullet Hawk Sports Show. I'm going to bring you some awesome news here on the program. We are going to dissect the Chicago Fire's first loss of the season. Sadly, their five-game winning streak finally had to come to an end with a dismal 1-0 1-0 loss versus Orlando City on the road at Exploria Stadium. Also home of the Orlando Pride of the NWSL. So let's get down to the nitty gritty and recap this match right now. First, we need to discuss the situation going in. The Fire had so far to five matches. 1-2, 2-3. Coming in high up in the Eastern Conference standings, Landro, Rockier start. They were coming in with some success, but also their offense had got off to a great start yet. They've been kind of inconsistent. And which was a draw. Which technically the fire probably should have lost one to nil. The refs at the time called off the goal due to handball. But after the match concluded and they were researching and investigating in the referee like headquarters, they determined that indeed was not in handball and that should have been a goal given to Orlando and a one nil win. But can't look back the past. Fire got out of there with that draw. And Orlando definitely is looking for retribution. Looking to avenge that almost victory on home this time against the Fire. So let's look at the lineups. First for the visiting. No, no, let's read Orlando first. First for Orlando. Glesse in goal. Now for defense. Mojito, Johnson, Segal, Teixeira, Mifield, Mendez, Aquero, forwards, Torres, Higuera, Pato, Alexander Pato, definitely one of the best scoring frets on Orlando. And finally, the Austrian striker, Kara. Now for 
your Chicago. Okay, that's enough. Fires starting 11th. First in goal, number one, Gaga Sonita. Defense, number two, Boris Sekulik. Number 20, Wyatt Osberg. Number 22, Mauricio Pineda. Number 14, different this time. Ezra Hendrickson made a change to the starting 11. Starting this time, Johan Espinosa. There was no Fabian Herbers in his starting 11 this time, which was different compared to some of the recent decisions. And there was also no Miguel Navarro in his starting 11 as well. And we'll get to why they had to make some changes. There was a reason for it. Continue in the midfield with Gaston Jimenez. Federico Navarro, Stanislav Ivanov, Brian Gutierrez starting this time, Jonathan Bornstein, finally, Kasper Sibilko. And you'd be under the impression, where is Jiran Shakiri? Well, he had that injury in the 20th minute against FC Dallas and had to leave. And they said it's probably not very serious, but he had to miss this game against... Orlando City for medical reasons. So hopefully he's going to be good to go soon. We cannot have him out for a period of time. But hopefully he gets better soon. And Miguel Navarro was not listed on the bench. So he must have been unavailable as well. And also the captain has to leave as well. Who's unavailable for this match which was our uh, Chilich was also unavailable. So we had a lot of people unavailable. So you could say that the fires, offensive woes, definitely were going to continue with missing a number of our key pieces. And you could say that's proven correct based on the final score. So let's get to what happened, the summary of this match. To start it off, there was not a lot of offense. It was kind of a back-and-forth defensive slog, defensive battle, which was to be expected based on these teams' beginnings to the season. The fire got off to reasonable start. I mean, at halftime, it was nil-nil. That's what the fire definitely were looking for, to keep it close. The fire can keep it at a 2-1, to 1-0 one, one 1-1 one, one range. They have a good shot at pulling out a draw or a win. That's when it starts getting higher scoring affairs or the Fire are going to have problems. At least proven after six games that's been the case. Besides our 3-1 to one victory against Kansas City, we've not scored more than two goals in any of the six matches. That's been the only outlier of high scoring affair. Our defense has been very solid. We haven't allowed more than one goal in any of the matches to start the season. And even this one, which we lost, we only allowed one goal. So we haven't allowed very many goals yet. This The offense has been slow. You can win games 2-1, to 1-0, but it's not going to happen all the time. So you definitely need to have some sort of offense in the bag. 
bag of tricks, definitely some scoring available. So let's continue. At halftime, it was nil-nil. And before we get to the second half, there was two big moments that happened. First, in discipline-wise, Brian Gutierrez was given a yellow card for not retreating. So he wasn't moving, and they gave him a yellow card. And then later, in the 44 minute, right before halftime, Brian Gutierrez fouled a Lando City player. And honestly, I thought this was BS. I don't think he deserved a second yellow card to give him a red card, which means he'll miss next game. I don't think he deserved it. It's just a normal foul. Caught him on the ankle. The guy fell down. And the ref was like, it's time for a red card. So he pulled out the yellow, then pulled out the red, and Brian mouth was hanging open, and he was stunned. And the ref was like, goodbye, time to hit the road, and Brian was gone, ejected from the match. Which, not good, because that meant the Fire had a whole second half to play with only 10 men. Down a man, so 11 on 10. Hopefully, they could have kept it at a reasonable score. And they did. Uh, we can move to the 59th minute in the match. After a foul a couple months before by Johan Espinosa, the Fire had to deal with a set-piece opportunity for Orlando City. Orlando City had a set-piece, and the man who was passing the ball was Rodrigo Silva. He was the man who was going to take the set-piece. Brilliant pass to Alexandre Pato at the right post. So Pato was at the right post. He was facing uh, east. And Pato, brilliant pass to Kara. And Kara, one move, no delay, brilliant kick into the net. 1 0 Orlando City. And it was good finish by Kara, but that never would been set up if fantastic pass by Rodrigo Silva to get to Alexandre Pato. But Pato finish definitely would, is going to make highlights of the week in the MLS. Fantastic pass by Pato. I don't want to give credit to Orlando City, but I have to. They're very impressive by Pato, and it shows why he's so excellent in the MLS. The fire after that goal... And Harrington immediately realized the offense was stuck in Park, so he made some changes. They subbed out John Bornstein for Andre Reynolds. And also 60 minutes as well. Stanislav Ivanov was subbed out for Shinso Ofor, who I believe this was his first game so far for the fire of the season. He's not had any opportunities yet due to the increase in skill and talent level for the team. And the bigger depth chart. There was less opportunity for four as a striker to come in. But this time, to bring in some offense, possibly they subbed him in. And Orlando City, about 15 minutes later, made some subs with Michelle coming in for Torres, Smith coming in for Shira, Akande coming in for Kara, Fire made a sub, John Duran came in for Gaston Jimenez, Jansen Fowl in 81st. Casas came in for Silvilco in the 84th for Fire. Mendez foul in the 85th for Lando. Pereira came in for Pereira in the 86th. And that was all she wrote. Fire. 1 0 loss. Fire were dominating possession. 
dominated in shots, dominated on shots and goal. We had more blocked shots than them, way less passes, worse passing accuracy, way less corners, far less crosses. So overall, on the offensive statistics, the fire were blown away. Orlando had the much better um, statistics and offensive-wise and shots, possession, and shots on goal, accuracy. The fire had more saves, which is logically with the more shots on goal and shots Orlando had, the fire would have more saves. And tackles won, we had more. Duels won, we were right there. Clearances, far more, of course. But overall, the fire almost pulled it out, just they couldn't keep Pato and Kara off the score sheet for Orlando to pull out the 1-0 win. So that was the Fire's first loss. Moving on, the Fire's next match is one of the biggest of the year. This team doesn't come to Soldier Field very often due to being the Western Conference. The LA Galaxy are coming to Chicago April 16th, Saturday, to take on Fire. It's going to be a huge match if you're a fan of LA Galaxy. They have a huge following, one of the most popular teams in MLS. Tons, millions, thousands for sure of people in the United States are fans of LA Galaxy. And probably some fans of Chicago love LA Galaxy as well, I'd assume. So definitely travel well. It's probably going to be a good crowd on hand, especially with the beautiful weather in Chicago right now, to take on the fire. Are the fire going to win? I don't know. I predicted a fire win for the Linda one. We lost. So I'm not sure. Honestly, it depends on if Shaboko is playing at a better clip. Shakiri's back. Chilich is back. It's going to depend on those factors. And no Brad Gutierrez. It's going to depend on those factors. and going to depend on a defense is very solid and we can stop El Galaxy's attack. If that's the case, we could definitely pull out a draw or a W. It just depends on those factors. So thank you for listening to this quick fire, rapid fire recap of the Chicago Fire's 1-0 loss. We're very excited to keep doing these. Huge fan of the fire. Love talking about them. And we'll also, don't worry, keep talking about the Chicago Red Stars. They just had a week off, so there's nothing to discuss. They're coming down to the wire in the Challenge Cup. Only a few matches left on the road. Two matches left on the road, then the Challenge Cup will come to a close and the regular season will ramp up. And we'll definitely talk about the schedule and some of the first home games you can see when it gets closer to May. Thank you. See you soon on Blog Sports Show. This concludes episode 98. We are very proud to keep bringing you the news and topics here on the program. We love talking with you and Thank you for supporting us along the way. We greatly appreciated your comments and meeting many great guests and many new people due to hosting the Blog Sports Show. Thank you.